Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about the future. maybe a little obvious or maybe a little on the nose to be anxious about the future, people are probably like, well, isn't that what anxiety is? And to some extent, yes. I mean, there are other ways anxiety manifests, like we talked about on the episode about I'm anxious about the past, where we talked about how shame and anxiety are really interlinked and the relationship between being anxious about the past is really just sort of you going through a laundry list of your failures that you're anxious about in the past. But I think it's still worth going to the future and talking about why we're anxious about the future, even though it may seem a little overly obvious. Yeah, I think it's sort of one of these episodes that it was a bit of an inevitability. Like we had to cover the future at some point in the same way that we had to cover the past. And I think I would personally, obviously with an extreme bias, would recommend that people go and listen to the episode about the past. I think that was, you know, one of our better episodes and probably will serve as a pretty good companion to this. Although we haven't recorded this episode yet. So that's all I don't know, yeah. <laughs> projection and conjecture, but um, I think, uh, you know, it was a good episode. Are you not worried about the future of this recording? No, no, I'm not. Um, but this is getting pretty meta. <laughs> yeah, we've mentioned before that we have this long list of topics that we're always adding to and cycling through. And the future has been on that list for a while. And it just seemed like now might be a good time to cover that. And I'm excited to put this episode out there. And and I was also kind of, you know, thinking in relation to what you said, you know, if we recorded an episode last week about being anxious about relaxation, then I think, you know, we have full license uh, to go for the future this week, regardless of how obvious it seems. <laughs> true, true. Going from the what the fuck to the, well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's our gamut, I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay, Chris. So we like to start our episodes by checking in with one another. And I wanted to ask you, Chris, on a scale of one to laying awake at three in the morning, crafting your perfect three year plan. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well today. Um, I didn't stay up last night to craft my three year plan. So that's encouraging. Um, yeah, giving a number. And if anyone's new to the podcast, the scale goes up to 10, like all good scales should. I'm honestly probably a one today, and I don't really know why that is. I I think I had a pretty restful weekend, which is, I don't know, encouraging because I don't always do that. I've also taken a lot of time as of late to plan out and schedule what I think success can and should look like doesn't mean it's going to go to plan as I've learned in the past but of course yeah but I feel pretty comfortable about 
what I'm trying to accomplish this week for all the different things I'm doing. And so that gives me a little bit of a sense of ease. Um, the last couple of weeks, I think I've probably been closer to the four or the five. And so it's nice to get a little bit of reprieve. And this also might sound like a little bro-y, but like I, I- I'm excited already. <laughs> well, I actually think sports are making a big difference. I'm far less excited now. Sports okay. is one of those things where it's just like, you say the word sports, I'm like, oh, this is the part where I can turn off my brain. <laughs> yeah, well, we can do an episode about that down the line. Although I don't know if you're anxious about it or just totally oh, indifferent I'm to it. I'm anxious about it because I just like physically don't want to be present. And so I'm anxious about having to suffer through it. Okay, well, there you go. But my reasoning, the reason that I actually think it connects to anxiety and, you know, hopefully people are still haven't tuned out yet once I came up, talked about this, but the reason is because I feel like I really don't have that much to look forward to on the horizon. So it's really quite um, a nice thing to wake up in the morning and know that I have a hockey game to look forward to at 7 p.m. or a basketball game or whatever. And not only for the entertainment value, but also it really does tie me to the present. I know that the stuff that's going on this day could only happen on this day. And so it makes the day feel a little bit more, you know, I don't know, special uh, in a way. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, I think, part of the reason I'm feeling pretty good. But uh, I don't know. I don't want to dive too deep in it because then I might raise it to a two or a three with, when I realize that uh, my lack of anxiety is sort of on a, um, it's propped up on a very thin sheet. <laughs> a layer of hockey ice, if you will. Yes. Well, that's pretty thick, though. I'll okay. take that. <laughs> so before I start to give your number an ample boost by talking too much about sports, <laughs> I will backpedal, which is kind of a sports reference, yeah. and ask you on a scale of one to laying awake at 3 a.m. crafting your ideal three-year plan, where are you at today? <sighs> I think, honestly, like a five- I've had like a couple of seven days in a row where my anxiety has been really bad. I'm kind of coming off the anxiety wave of the past couple of days and just kind of normalizing, equalizing a little bit. So more just the anxiety hangover than the anxiety bender itself, so to speak. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's just been one of those weeks where I feel really restless and anxious and have had a lot of trouble getting stuff done on mm -hmm. my list and feeling a lot of guilt and shame about not being able to accomplish my, you know, one year plan that I set out at the beginning of the year that was absolutely bonkers, ridiculous. And so I've just <laughs> been kind of going through that sort of like rebound effect of like when you set goals that are like, a little too ridiculous and then you realize you're not really on pace to meet them in the timeline you set out for yourself and then you sort of go through that you know little shame situation yeah. i'm a That's failure kind of, worthless yeah. all those all those yeah. real pleasant adjectives you can ascribe to yourself exactly so now i feel kind of like a car stuck in the mud you know and it's like sure i have gas in the tank but i'm also just like i can't really get out of this mud i'm just kind of going back and forth so um that's me trying to use a car metaphor i was that's gonna about say the extent uh, of my car knowledge don't yeah, ask me gonna, to dig any deeper oh, that's, it's good that you said that because i was literally about to ask so do you 
change the car or wait for the weather to change? Yeah. <laughs> if you had mentioned gears or a stick shift, I would have just started crying because no, I can't, I can't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I guess a five, but like, it's kind of a calm five because I'm comparing it to a recent seven. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Well, I, I understand that. I mean, I've, I've been there. I'm sure people who are listening have all been there. There's that uh, you have maybe a little bit of hope that you're mining, trying to bring to life a little bit. And uh, you're probably also a little bit exhausted from um, a bit of emotional tumult. And so I understand that. And it's really just a matter of that grace that we often talk about, giving yourself a little bit of that and yeah, getting to the other side of that. But Mm -hmm. I got to say, I mean, you had a pretty strong start to 2021 where a bunch of episodes in a row, you're like, I'm minus five right now. Like I'm peachy keen. I'm doing the best <laughs> yeah, ever. I'm so, scared. I yeah. don't know what anxiety is. I'm, I'm actually done with this podcast, Chris, yeah. <laughs> because uh, I don't have anxiety anymore. So you good luck. Nirvana, I can just leave now. <laughs> I'm going to go chill with Buddha, like in a lotus pond and get super fat and have really low hanging earlobes. It's been real cool, guys. Thanks. <laughs> oh, gosh. I wonder what I would do. Anyways, I mean, maybe I'd continue with a solo effort but it might be really sad and comical I'm like what do you it think allison and it's just oh <laughs> sad for you <laughs> well don't worry chris i don't think i'm in any danger of attaining nirvana although i've still been keeping up with my five minutes of meditation a day and nice. almost 20 days into 2021 so like that's pretty cool yeah i was gonna ask about that so yeah that's pat on the Doing back the for that day. And by doing the damn thing, I mean sitting for five minutes at a time. It's it's a big bar. Which is harder said <laughs> than done, actually. Hard. You know, I mean, you're not going to achieve, uh, you know, enlightenment and get to that transcendental space just yet. But nope. no big earlobe. It ain't going to hurt you either. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Let's dive into this before we make our readers just zoom into the future and forget about our podcast. And now I realize that I've said readers. You said readers. You said Damn readers. it, Chris. Damn it, Chris. Yes. <laughs> for, new t- for new listeners, um, Chris and I always have a running joke where we accidentally call our listeners readers because, you know, we're used to blogging. And normally it's Chris who does it. I think this is like yeah. the first time I've the slipped first up. Time. But it is the first time. As I heard it like leave my mouth, I was like, oh fuck, I gave Chris some ammunition there. Yeah, I, I immediately smiled and I was Oh yeah, gonna... I think I heard the smile like light up from across the Atlantic. I'm disappointed that you called yourself on it because I was gonna I call you on it. And so <laughs> that's unfortunate. But either way, <laughs> readers rejoice. <laughs> she finally did it. <laughs> Anyways, let us dive in a little bit and as you said, I think, you know, there's going to be some elements of this where it's obvious why we're anxious about the future. But I think there's a lot of this that we can dive a little deeper into. And one would hope that on this podcast, especially after doing it for quite some time now, we'll be able to get past that uh, first door there and, and dive into this a little bit more. Is there a place in particular that you wanted to start and not putting you on the spot? I'm happy to take it in a direction, but just curious. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing with anxiety about the future boils down to powerlessness. And powerlessness is obviously 
something that you're going to experience with the future because it's always looming. It's never the future. It's always only the present. And of course, eventually the future comes to pass. If it doesn't, you have bigger problems to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not anxious then, but... (laughs) Such as death. Yeah, but uh, (laughs) I think there is a real human aversion to being powerless. And we kind of counteract that with this obsession with creating plan A, B, C, all the way to Z, and then creating a brand new alphabet, maybe with like diacritical marks in order to count for like, you know, (laughs) your 27th and onward plan. There's lots of plans. And I'm one of those people who, whenever I think about the future, and there's any sort of like bifurcation in the path that I can take, I feel like I need to create this extremely elaborate flow chart of every possible outcome. And it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. And I think that's something that is a real side effect of anxiety that people don't really notice is like the fatigue and tiredness that you can get when you constantly are using all your brain power to create all these insane plans and think about all these things and worry all the time. Like it's a lot of energy. Like your brain uses calories and brain power, literally, you know? So it's just, it's one of those things where anxiety is actually tiring. And I get really tired sometimes, like when I get really wrapped up in this future planning and the powerlessness that I feel and worrying that, you know, I haven't mapped out enough contingencies for like, but what if, you know, on plan B, what if like option seven ends up happening? Oh, better create a whole map for that, you know? Yeah. I I think that's a huge part of it. And obviously the goal is to try and embrace our powerlessness, which is, you know, so much easier said than done, but just really sort of get to the point where you realize there's actually power from accepting that we can't control everything, right? Like there's a certain power that you get from internalizing the fact that no matter how much you want to be Zeus, like you're not going to be able to, you know, move the oceans and so on and so forth. There's only so much that you can accomplish. And do you think it's cooler to be Zeus or Buddha? Like, what would you rather? I mean, this is tough. I think I'm more action oriented. So I'm going to go with Zeus largely just because I just, I couldn't sit for as long. Yeah. Yeah. Like being Buddha sounds super peaceful, but I'm a, fucking drama queen and so is Zeus so I'm probably a Zeus <laughs> I think we're both, think we're both <laughs> Zeus let's be real I get de- like let's if I'm looking at if I'm going through a list of characteristics that apply to both of those I don't even know how do you say those both the same breath to Zeus and Buddha Myths, then obviously I yeah I don't I don't know obviously we have Buddha's got a more admirable I think list of characteristics going on but um it would be a lie to say that I'm not more like Zeus. Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I did not expect to be comparing myself <laughs> to Zeus today, but I guess I set myself up for that one. To drag it back into the realm of, of sanity. Of the mortals. <laughs> yeah, of the, of the mortals, Let's as get it were. Mount Olympus here. Yeah. So climbing down from Mount Olympus, I wanted to, to mention that I, I think part of the problem for people with, with anxiety is that they've created this clear map, like you said, around them of the things that could go wrong. And so every event kind of takes on a larger than life significance because you've basically set yourself up 
you know, in a world of tripwires, I think about Mission Impossible, you know, like for other people walking around, I don't think there's as many tripwires going on that set off alarms. But with the anxiety, you created so many tripwires for yourself. And I think part of the path of, of lasting anxieties is accepting that, you know, on the one hand, these tripwires you set for yourself, you set them up, <laughs> you set your own tripwires up so you can calm down, take a breath, it's going to be okay. And then I think something that we were talking about pre-recording was also that difference between, you know, thinking about what could happen to better prepare yourself and catastrophizing, right? Yeah. And there's that, there's that big difference between, you know, it, it's quite healthy to think through something that could happen and think, you know, okay, so I have a test coming up. Let's use a classic example, like a test. And you think to yourself, okay, well, the worst thing that could happen is I failed this test. And then you go down that road and think, well, if I fail this test, actually, it's not that big of a deal. I can retake it. I can so on and so forth. If you look at that with some semblance of like calm and like, okay, this is going to be okay. It can be helpful because you realize that the the worst thing that could happen is not going to destroy your life. But if you're catastrophizing, you know, then you're not really going down that path with any semblance of logic, right? You're like, mm -hmm. well, I'm going to fail this test and then I'm going to do heroin. And <laughs> you know, before I know it, I'm going to be, you know, living in an alleyway. You're like, it, it's just with catastrophizing, it goes from A to Z or yeah, Z. You make a quickly. large leap over very many letters. <laughs> yeah, a um, lot of letters. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very interesting what you brought up. It actually brings to mind a technique that I have personally found really helpful for dealing with anxiety about the future, and it's called negative visualization, and it has its roots in Stoicism, so philosophers whoop, whoop. like Seneca and other Stoic philosophers. Marcus Aurelius. Epictetus. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I, yeah. again, I'm, I'm a Stoicism freak. So just, just you know, I I'll, I'll be, I'll be quiet. I haven't read much of the Stoics, but I've read like books by like modern people who have read about the Stoics. So like I kind of read about the Stoics. But gotcha. anyway, uh, one of my favorite <laughs> authors who sort of summarizes Stoicism and references it quite a bit in his work is Oliver Berkman. And I actually have this little quote pulled up, which I believe I've used on a previous podcast episode, but I love it so much. So just bear with me. Confronting the worst case scenario saps it of much of its anxiety inducing power. Happiness reached via positive thinking can be fleeting and brittle. Negative visualization generates a vastly more dependable calm. So basically what the Stoics and Oliver Berkman believe is that if you never allow yourself to visualize the worst case scenario, and by worst case scenario, like be realistic, you know, like don't jump over all the letters, like go from point to point. You might be taken by surprise and that's worse than something that's negative that you already anticipated happening, happening. Like you've already kind of prepared yourself for it. So you're not going to get the shock on top of the negative emotion that you are going to experience. So for example, if you were to be running late to the airport and you might be feeling a lot of anxiety about that. Well, think about like, what is the absolute like worst case scenario of this moment? Like the worst case scenario is that you're going to miss the flight. You're going to have to discuss rebooking. They'll likely rebook you for free. There might be a charge. There probably won't be. And you'll just kind of wait and maybe you have to get a hotel room and wait a little bit more. And maybe you just wait in the airport for a couple hours. 
but the place that you're going will still exist. Uh, the people you are going to see still exist on the other side. And it's probably going to be fine. Now, of course, there are exceptions to the rule, you know, like sometimes things can truly be like a really bad worst case outcome. But I would say that's like 1% of the time we're actually worried about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What is that great quote? Like by Mark Twain, most of the worst things that ever happened to me never even happened. Yeah. 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 Um, But I think that's basically what we do with anxiety, right? We torture ourselves with a million worst case scenarios and maybe one out of every 100 turns out to actually be that bad. But we look for the confirmation bias of that one experience to be like, look, I was prepared for just how horrible it was going to be. And it was exactly that horrible. In fact, it was worse. And then we like take that as confirmation that we need to be more, more anxious, more negative. But I think if you get into the practice of doing like a calm visualization of the worst case scenarios and like taking it just bit by bit, you know, if this happens, this happens. Okay. If this happens, this happens without, you know, skipping over all the letters, like what is the linear point to point worst case progression and how bad is it going to be? It's likely not going to be that bad. It's likely going to be inconvenient, not catastrophic. Yeah. So I, all of that obviously interests me and I, I want to be careful not to go into a deep, you know, stoic diatribe because I, I, <laughs> I think and read a lot about this kind of stuff and I've read every major stoic to an alarming degree, I'm but yeah, well, I mean, I just had Not to explain why, asshole, why, yeah, it wasn't even, I was going to say that was just, uh, that was just an overt brag, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think the, you know, the whole idea, basic idea behind stoicism, at least to a certain degree is that really you can't control the, you know, the events that are going to happen, but you can't control your reaction to them. And so the best we can do is kind of be more like a, a rock in the stream than a leaf in the wind, you know, where you you let things pass over you as opposed to getting, you know, affected by, if that makes sense. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah, no, it makes sense. It's a picture. And yeah, just in, in prepping for the episode, I kind of always look around to try and get some extra sources and ideas for how are other people thinking about this kind of stuff? Because I, I do think one thing that we've gotten better at as the podcast has gotten larger is making sure that it's not just you and I playing a game of ping pong conjecture, but <laughs> there's like more to it that people could could walk away with some actionable takeaways at least. And this is actually this whole anxiety about the future is, as you alluded to before, it is hugely common. And actually, in some ways, not necessarily like it could be in some cases synonymous with anxiety itself, right? It's like mm-hmm. worry about the future and what have you. But I think what we're talking about largely is what's called anticipatory anxiety. And it's just from like a definition standpoint. And this is from an article which basically was talking about how it's just that imagining of the worst case scenarios. And it's not just that, but it's the over-focusing on the worst case scenario so that you're essentially blinded by any other potential outcome. Like you, you struggle to even see a potential positive outcome. And that imagination that you have of the worst case scenario leads to real time frustration and hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I, I kind of think of it as like, you're a general who's planning for 
you know, a war and you're thinking about all the different tactics. And then all of a sudden, just in like a fit of panic, you just throw the flag down. You're like, we've lost already. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. It's like, you just don't even bother to continue to try and, and plan. But then of course, like to go back to a stoic reference, they're like, the war is going to go on anyways, you know? So you got to just right. do your best. There's no point in throwing down the flag. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time we get so far ahead of ourselves that we almost start to like, at least for me, because I'm, you know, great. There are levels to this crazy. I start to spend my present projecting into the future, worrying about how I'm going to feel about it in the past, you know, like, oh, but if I do X, Y, and Z, then after all of that, I'm going to feel X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Like I start to project out from the future what my past and what my shame is going to feel like, which is just like, I'm truly nowhere in time when I'm doing that. You know, it's just like, it's this point on a timeline that doesn't even exist. It's just, maybe I found (laughs) fourth dimension. I don't know. But um, it's just, it's such a futile exercise, yet it's like my favorite thing to do at fourth dimension or five in the morning. Yeah. By the way, like the fourth yes. dimension really sucks. It's super lame. There's a reason we never tr- like successfully found it. The truth is that people found it and then they just left and we're like, let's not even talk about this. <laughs> yeah, like it, this is the worst place in history. And <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about because... And this is something that your partner recognizes, right? Like when, not you in particular, but I think anybody who has some struggles with anxiety or depression, like it's very clear when you're in the quote unquote fourth dimension, like you're eating dinner and there's like music going on and you realize like you're in the middle of a conversation, but like you accidentally ejected from that conversation like 44 seconds ago and your partner is still talking and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't been listening because I have a a very intense dialogue that I've been on about how I'm this, that, and the other, and this, that, the other's going to happen and whatever. And you just kind of try and come back to the present. Yeah. I mean, I even do that sometimes when we're recording this podcast, you know, it's just like my brain will just go like into another dimension. Like I try so hard to be present, obviously, but like there are just moments where I'm like, oh my God, what about this little thing? Guess how it's going to ruin my life this time, you know, hasn't ruined my life. Oh, sorry. Go, I, I didn't. Oh, I was going to say, hasn't ruined my life yet, but I swear it's going to. <laughs> next time, next time. Well, yeah. I mean, this this literally happened. Uh, I like to give people a little behind the scenes action. You know, this literally happened pre-recording. I was talking, and you're like, "I've got to be completely honest with you, Chris. I listened to absolutely nothing you just said." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I had a sudden thought, and I basically decided what you were saying wasn't 100% important enough to listen to at the time that I had the thought. So I needed to finish the thought. And then I started listening to you. I'm very sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the struggle thing- is real when you're dealing with a ADHD spectrum brain. Like I'm not officially like diagnosed like Chris is, but I definitely identify and am considering getting evaluated for it. But the concentration aspect and like, I think most people can listen to two pieces of input at the same time and not want to blow their brains out. I cannot like the sound of music and also someone talking. Well, that that one's okay, I guess. But like music on a phone, but then also on the TV, it could not make me more enraged. I turn into the Hulk. 
And it's the same with thoughts. I cannot have two simultaneous thoughts. It breaks my brain. And I feel like that's maybe a slightly ADHD spectrum behavior, but I don't know. It all depends on how you're put together because for sure, one element of ADHD is is a hypersensitivity to sounds and noise and that kind of stuff, but it's to a certain degree. So while one, for example, the noise of construction might drive you crazy, largely to do with the powerlessness as well, but having the right music or a fan in the room when you're sleeping or something like that can be huge because you're not focused on the little noises that appear in silence, like... (laughs) creaks and cracks and that kind of stuff. So it can go any number of ways. I mean, I, for one, I like being enveloped in noise sometimes because I find it actually calms down my thought process. Like sometimes I'll have four sports games going at once and I'm doing something else and it kind of just depends on the mood I'm in. But as far as like, you know, how ADHD functions, it's kind of both and, and it kind of depends on where you're at, but it is that hypersensitivity to noise, but it's also, you know, also sometimes the common thing with ADHD is you are in the middle of something and let's say your partner or somebody comes and speaks to you and you do take in the entire conversation that they are speaking to you, but still you'll turn around and say, sorry, what? Oh yeah. Even though if there was a pause and you were asked to write down the dialogue on a piece of paper, you could write it word for word, but you still ask, I'm sorry, what? You know, it's just like one of these knee jerk reactions because you think you can't focus on things. It's a whole complicated mess. Like sometimes I need to watch shows with subtitles. Sometimes subtitles distract me where I can't watch the show. It's so, so mood dependent. And that's why I'm obviously we talk a lot in this podcast about constantly trying to place yourself of where you're at for that day and, and why we start off each episode talking about that because so much of your experience is going to be related to where you are in that moment. Even when I'm on a Zoom call, sometimes totally fine, conversation goes great, what have you. Sometimes I'm like, I feel like I'm back in grade eight, you know, where I'm making comments where I'm like, wait, do they think I'm stupid now? Like, you know what I mean? Like you're just... I'm always in such a different headspace. It's so important to ground yourself in where you're at before you figure out what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Very, very true. So one other thing I wanted to talk about on this topic is sort of like the intersection between the future and perfectionism and just how a lot of the time we, there. I think you can have sort of, both positive and negative anxiety about the future. And when I say positive anxiety, it's like a nervous excitement. But there's kind of a negative tinge to it because you know that you're planning out this perfect roadmap that is likely going to end up completely littered with potholes. You know what I mean? And there's like, when you're making those plans, you're in almost like an alternate reality. Not the fourth dimension, because we don't like that one, but like, you know. That's that's our least favorite dimension. I don't know. (laughs) Where you're like, you're not willing to consider the fact that present you is going to have to exist in the future. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? That you're still going to be the same person. It's just a different point on the timeline of life. Can I sneak a metaphor in? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Always bring metaphors. Thank you. Thank you. So I think what you're saying is fantastic. I'm just going to stop to give you an applause. That's it. That's all I was going to do. No, actually, I do have a metaphor. And the way that I think about it and exactly what you're talking about is sometimes we sort of plan out this, let's say it's like Google Maps, and you're typing in where you are in your destination, but 
you're planning how long that would take for a race car, but you forget that you have a 1984 <laughs> Mazda Miata. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so it's like... <laughs> I don't speak car, Chris, but I understood that. <laughs> okay. So like what I'm trying to get at really is when you're planning for the future, be kind to yourself and plan yeah. the route for the Miata so that you can exceed that as opposed to planning the route for your Ferrari, you know, because yeah. then later you're like, I was supposed to be here in an hour. It's been three hours and you're like, no, 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 no. You didn't plan for the, you're not bringing that car there. You know, like you got a different yeah. car. <laughs> right. No, that's totally true. And I think it can be a little bit intoxicating to sort of plan a perfect future and you're like optimizing it con- like in your head and that feels good, right? Because you're thinking about the person you could potentially be once you, you know, mm-hmm. live out this future you. But the reality is there's really only one you, right? And it's just a matter of time before like past you, present you, and future you all converge and sure. experience it at different times. And so you're still going to be the same person, but you've set up this incredibly unrealistic future for yourself. And so that's what I guess I mean when I'm talking about sort of like a positive anxiety you're not really worried about anything specifically. You're like, oh, this is great. I'm going to do this. It's going to be so perfect. Mm -hmm. But it is kind of an anxiety, not in the traditional sense, but because it's like a delayed reaction. You're going to have the anxiety once you compare future you and present you after you know, your two points on the timeline have merged. I don't know why I'm getting like very like timeline string theory-ish on people here, but. <laughs> no, no, I got, I know I, I get well, what I you're saying. It I mean, makes sense. Like the no, title is literally the future. So I think it's probably yeah, appropriate to talk was, about timelines. If there was ever an episode to do it, that was it. But I think what you're getting at and at least what I understood from it, and <laughs> if I'm way off, then you know the string theory was just out of control. But I, I think there's that idea that, you know, it's a good thing to think about the future. We, we all need to, in some ways, consider you know where we're headed. That's a reasonable expectation of life, but it's not good to live in the future <laughs> permanently, like mentally. You know yeah. where we're, we're never living in the present and rent like a vacation house, but like don't put your whole savings in it. You know, Indeed. don't buy the second home. It's just yes. a vacation house. Just Airbnb <laughs> the future. <laughs> yeah, and then I mean, of course, like I also try to read a lot of different philosophy and just different ideas that seem to have been crystallized number two. and carried. No, no, it's the same humble brag. It's the same. <laughs> I think that they're both, they're, they're both reasonably <laughs> overt. So there was no, no, there was no humility in it. It was just, this is a, a continuation. It's still, Hey, if you get to do, fuck, if you do fucking power. strength theory, I get to do philosophy. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. We all have our strength. <laughs> so, you know, the, 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 one of the classic tenets, of course, of, well, of course. a lot of philosophy, I'm, I'm not even going to, like, maybe Buddhism might be more the most apt one to mention, but like the idea that there really is only now, right? Like we can spend time in the future, in the past and whatever, but all we're ever going to have is this moment, right? Extended indefinitely. So it's about the creating a longer life for yourself under that lens is about spending as much time in the present as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to say that without sounding like, you know, you're, you're going to start that. I think we referenced a cult last episode, right? Like this, <laughs> you want to be careful that you're not sounding like you're going to be leading a session on that at night one of the cult a thon. But really, it is true. I'm not excellent at it. You know, I do spend a fair bit of time thinking about what I could have done better. And I spend a fair bit of time visioning and in some cases, 
in, in many cases, catastrophizing over what could happen. But, you know, all I have and ever will have is this moment. So it's something I try to keep at the forefront of my mind. And I'm not always excellent at it. I don't think human beings are excellent at it, but it's, I guess, a goal worth striving for. Yeah. Well, I think let's be fair with ourselves. Let's extend ourselves a little bit of grace and acknowledge that evolutionarily, it was never safe necessarily for us to exist in the present. Like to some extent, okay, yes, you had to be observant of your surroundings, but like from a survival standpoint, you needed to remember like, yo, that lion lives over there is super scary or those berries made me shit really bad. Like you needed to remember things that scared you. Right. And at the same time, you also needed to think about the future. Like if I eat those berries again, y'all know what's going to happen. Like, you know, come home and your family's like, damn it, Carl, not the berries again. (laughs) Generally speaking, it was never super helpful for us evolutionarily to stay in the present. Like only when a specific danger rose to our mind. But like, if we just sat on a rock and just admired the savanna, like for days and days are like wow look at the ripple of the baobab tree and da, da, da. like we just fucking starved to death you know what i mean so- <laughs> just get so caught up in it you just literally can't move yeah you get transcendental and then just yeah. you know just yeah. end it yeah yeah so i think it's unfair to ourselves to expect that we'll just like live in the present continuously like that's not how we're set up to be and if you expect that of yourself then you are setting yourself up to fail just period full stop that's not possible some days yeah sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there but like some days you're gonna wake up and you're gonna be like quite honestly i'm in survival mode right now Mm -hmm. like i'm not even gonna try and frame this under some lens of like i'm just gonna try and make it through today and then when you do the basic things that you know get you back onto your feet, whatever that is, you know, time for yourself or whatever your um, collection of activities and tactics that you have to sort of try and get yourself out of it. Then you can start to worry about some of the larger philosophy behind it. It's not, you know, it's impossible to forever stay in the present, as you said. And and then there's, of course, the consequence if you're forever in this present where you're constantly like, oh, wow, like a snowflake just fell on me, but you're outside without a jacket on. You know what I mean? Like there's got to be, there's got to be a little bit of that. Um, I also, this seems like an apt place to mention that I was reading a Washington Post article about some of this kind of stuff, the anxiety about the future. And they were talking about the phenomenon of hindsight bias. And Mm. that's essentially that we are always comparing the present and the future with the past. And we look back on the past with less uncertainty, largely because it's already happened. And so in light of that, we ascribe the past as having a more concrete and and reasonable and logical path for how things occurred in a way that we can't ascribe to the future. So we look back on things with this hindsight bias as if there was order, but we've kind of always had the same measure of, we've always been living under the same umbrella of uncertainty. It's just that because we've gotten through the other stuff, we pretend like it was more certain. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no. That's that's really all I was going to say. And just there's actually a lot of power in that because you realize that 
once you actually accept that you have hindsight bias, you realize that there's a lot of strength in understanding, well, you know what, I've been dealing with this uncertainty for 30, 40, 50, however many years, and I've managed to do it. So there's power in understanding that I can probably get through the next spurt of uncertainty because it's you know just as uncertain. Yeah. And I think... You know, we tend to think like, oh, everything happened the way that it should. Everything happened for a reason. The past just Mm -hmm. happened as it happened. We're very able to find some sort of peace with the past and not not always. You know, some people struggle more with regret and shame. But in general, like colloquially, at least in speaking about the past, we can give ourselves a little more grace with the past. And even with the future and stuff, just like it is what it is. But for some reason, just even in language, we're not really willing to cede that we don't have control over the future, right? Like there's not really much that I can think of except like, you know, okay, Sarah, Sarah, which isn't even, you know, that's French, I guess. Whatever will be, will be. I was on a road trip and it was like that song was playing constantly and I wanted to just I didn't want there to be a Syrah. I didn't want there to be a whoopee. I was like, I'm done. If I hear the song one more time, I am barrel rolling out of this freaking vehicle and hitchhiking. I like that image. I, I really like the image of you cracking open the window, just pop, barrel roll and gone. Yeah that song now but yeah like i think just we're very unwilling to cede this control over the future and it's funny that we aren't really like that with other times even though you know we could be yeah i like that i'm thinking we could switch into tip mode but i don't know what you're thinking i kind of like blew my best tip you know okay this is really just because i was looking down on some notes i took prior and realized that i had a few things written down that i couldn't casually and colloquially fit into the next segment you I, couldn't I probably could have it in, so now it's time to just awkwardly uh bring them up well, like, I think that's why we created that section in the first yeah. place. But then yeah. the last the last few episodes, we were just really quite on point about how, um, you know, fit it, fitting that into the mold. And I guess you did that again, and I've failed us. So mm. <laughs> I can quickly go over a few things that I was thinking of as far as tips and you can respond. Does that yeah. work? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. So the... The main thing that I had thought of in relation to this hindsight bias, uh, the way to combat hindsight bias is with tracking and journaling and all of that kind of stuff, right? And that's a massive tenant or a massive part of cognitive behavioral therapy, where you're constantly writing down your thoughts and examining them so that when you feel like this moment is especially you know, turbulent and so on and so forth, you can turn back in your journal three months and be like, oh, no, it turns out it was pretty turbulent then too, right? Yeah. We have this, it's a false impression. And there's something in in CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, that talks about the, the, it's the negative cognitive triad, it's called. And it's about, you know, basically you, the world and the future. So, you know, I'm useless, the world is a mess and things will always be shitty, you know? And basically cognitive behavioral therapy is one part of it, at least, is you're tracking and writing down how things actually went objectively so that you can combat some of the catastrophizing that you're doing because you realize a lot of the things you're worried about, scared about, turns out, shockingly, did not come to fruition. 
And I've mentioned this before, but I used the book Mind Over Mood back in the day, and that was pretty helpful. Yeah, that's something that people could possibly check out if they're more interested in that kind of thing. So that was one thing that I wanted to mention. I don't know how familiar you are with CBT and all that kind of stuff. I think we've talked about it a little bit before. Mm-hmm. I had a couple other things I wanted to mention, but I want to give you a chance to respond in case you wanted to respond to that. No, I just think that's a good point. And I've always been really lazy with journaling. It's not something I enjoy doing. So I don't really have much chime in there, cool. but I can 100% see how it would be a helpful tool. Cool. Yeah. And no pressure on that. 2021 is going to be the year of meditation for Allison. And then 2022 is going to be journaling. So oh, oh, I, I'm just going to settle into 2021. Don't yeah, even, don't say, even yeah. be throwing 2022 at me. I, I, I know, haven't I even decided be, if I, I'm 2021 or returning it. Yeah, did I just, <laughs> did I just, like, I think I actually saying that is a great way to make you anxious about the future. <laughs> it's yes, like, yeah, not, uh, not reasonable at all. Now. Yeah, I know. I think I like kind of failed you as a co-host there. So (laughs) (laughs) my apologies. So while offering tips to the general listener or readership, however we're feeling and however we want to mix up those words today, I've managed to ruin your day. So there you go. (laughs) Just the last couple of things that I did want to mention are, you know, there are things that we can do to make sure that we're less anxious about the future. Probably the most obvious one that I can think of is just being careful about what notifications you have coming in on your phone. It's not uh, unusual now for some catastrophic event to happen and then your phone lights up with six different notifications from six different news sources. Two of them are in all caps. Two of them are telling you how the world's ending, you know, and, and it's just like, boom, 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 boom. And like, you know, I think of it as like basically firing a BB gun at you with like bad news, right? And you're just like, that's a lot to handle all at once. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't keep your tabs on what's going on in the world and, and news and stuff like that. But maybe don't get notifications from all six. Maybe like have a time where you check the news or check up on things. That can be helpful. And, you know, limiting some screen time can be helpful before bed. So you're not wired before you go to bed and lying awake for hours with your three-year plan. All these things help. But again, this is going to be so dependent on each person. I just know um, for me, sometimes like something occurs and I just get a bunch of notifications and it's like, it can send you into a bit of overwhelm. So being cognizant of those things, those are some of the things that popped up for me as it relates to the future about, you know, actionable things that we can think about to help us as we head into the future and contend with it. But yeah, I think that about wraps it up Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. I think one thing we didn't really talk about In this episode, we were more talking about our own experience of the future, but we didn't sort of talk about the anticipation of the future of news and shitty world events and the potential for like doom scrolling and panicking about that. And I don't want to get too into this because we had a fantastic episode with our friend and guest, Ryan Patel. I'm anxious about the news. So if you're Yeah, if you're jonesing for a little more podcast after this, we got two hours of gibberish for you. If you want to tune into that, where we uh, talk about the news and all the ways it makes us anxious. But I think the news can definitely be one of the biggest fomenters of future anxiety. Mm -hmm. Because like, that's literally what it's designed to do. Like if it if you're not anxious enough to continue after the commercial break, they're gonna lose money. So I think being conscientious about how you consume your news and how often and like when and putting strict boundaries on that is something that can be helpful for managing your anxiety, especially if you're 
future anxiety is experienced the most in the evenings and around bedtime, which I think is probably the most common time for people to have future anxiety. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And for me, like I, I don't know if I've mentioned this prior, I'm, I'm sure I have, but I love Reddit. I spend a fair bit of time on Reddit and I don't like the actual, like going on my desktop, but I, there's a good app called Apollo where you can go through Reddit and it's, I enjoy it quite a bit, but I make sure that I'm not subscribed to all kinds of news and stuff there. Like I'm subscribed to like subreddits about cats. <laughs> I'm subscribed to like, I don't know, ancient pics is one of them that I'm subscribed what? to, which is ancient pics, like ancient pictures. It's like of kind of like historic uh civilizations and stuff like that it's not like statues involved in intercourse or something yeah. um, it sounded like a strangely like nsfw subreddit i was like chris no it's not that it's not that <laughs> it's not ancient dicks <laughs> which is seemed to be what you were insinuating. but i i'm basically what i'm saying is like i subscribe to like positive I try to intentionally subscribe to a bunch of things which I know are going to make me smile and laugh and bring a lot of joy into my life. Even like I'm subscribed to like literally like really positive, not just like positive news or whatever, but like there's a great subreddit called Next Fucking Level or Top Talent, all of these where it's just like people at the top of their game doing great stuff. And I make a point of subscribing to those subreddits. There's another subreddit called Congrats Like I'm Five, which is like people sharing little you know, little useless accomplishments and everyone being like, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> so I'm, I know that I'm probably going to get just from the natural flow of things, I'm going to get a fair bit of negativity in my day. So where I have control, I make sure that I'm going to be tapping into that wellspring of positivity or laughter or whatever that is. Yeah, that is very different than my current Reddit feed, which is our coronavirus, our politics, and then our velvet hippos, which is a pit bull appreciation. Okay, so some good. Reddit, I mean, though, for a little bit of palate cleanser, like I'm like, oh, look at his little jowls. Oh, they're so droopy. Oh, God, fuck the universe is ending. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I have like, I'm so, I mean, we can talk about it in an episode one time where literally I could just go through all of the great subreddits I'm involved with, but I not really involved with, but more just kind of follow. But, you know, I, I do have my fair share of things that I'm tracking, which are not quite as positive there, but I just try and make sure that there's enough there that it's like, it's not just like frown, deeper frown, <laughs> tears, tears on ground, you know, like it's, 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 I like how that's, that's a, another level. It's like, okay, there are tears on the face and that's like, <laughs> that's one level. But when there are tears on the ground, now that that's another level. I think so. So <laughs> I was the going for like, has reached the ground. I was going for more like crying on the ground, but okay. I realized the way I was saying it, I did just mention the tears. So yeah. maybe it's like to me, I took it as like you were measuring like the distance of each other. Because you know, some tears are just like cheek tears, you know? They just go to your cheek, maybe they go to your neck and then they kind of rest, but then there are some tears that are ground tears. And I thought you were talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like this. I mean, I, I feel like we need to bring this into future episodes where it's like, does yeah. this going to give you cheek tears or ground tears? Maybe somewhere in the middle, maybe a neck tear or maybe a, maybe a chest kind of tear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think that's a good place to start to wrap up. I think our so. Lunacy. So yeah, before a few chest, before we start having a few chest tears here, yeah. because we're not finishing up. 
Yeah. So we always end each episode by celebrating a win and patting ourselves on the back for something that happened in the past week. Just because if you're someone with anxiety, you probably have a very strong negativity bias towards creating a narrative about yourself and all the bad, horrible things you did and will have to do in the future. So this is partly a humble brag and partly a way of sort of trying to rewire our brains a little bit to actually celebrate our successes. And I talked for a long time now so that I have an excuse to pass it off to Chris first. Chris, you do. what are you, you do. patting yourself on the back for? Well, with it's two me. relatively overt brags, I was like, do I even get to pat myself on the back? But you yeah, have to. <laughs> I have to. I have to. It's part of it. It's the contract that we didn't yeah. sign. It is in the contract we didn't <laughs> sign. Yeah, I, I did note that actually. <laughs> which also doesn't exist. <laughs> it's a, a long contract. I mean, I just never had time to read it. So one thing I'm patting myself on the back for is just I had planned to do a ton of work yesterday. I woke up yesterday and my mind was just mush. I just didn't have it. And uh, I actually respected that. And I, I did a, a few things that I had to do that were just sort of maintenance, you know, just like keeping things up. I had to do a small, a couple of small things, but I didn't move forward and have a horrible Sunday trying to get through all kinds of stuff, which I had planned to do. So actually checking in with myself and realizing this was not the best course of action because I used to play this game where I was like, well, you're just being soft. Like you, you need to just pick up the socks and get it done. But of course what happens is then you wake up the next day and you like resent. You're like, why didn't you just give yourself the chance you needed to rest and recoup? So I'm patting myself on the back for actually doing that because I've ended up having a fairly productive, today is Monday, by the way, uh, for anyone who's listening, but I ended up having a fairly productive Monday because I gave myself the chance to be a human being. And this is something that Brie kind of always reminds me of. It's just like, you're not a robot, Chris, like (laughs) human beings need breaks. And so at first I was like really bemoaning myself. I was like, oh, I can't believe I like let myself down. I didn't do this, that, and the other. And then, uh, you know, circumstances changed, right? I just, I didn't wake up with any semblance of a brain. You know, you know how you talk quite a bit about how your, you, your body will physically sort of put up the fight that your mind doesn't always mm-hmm. listen to. Like your body yeah. will be like, nope, we're done. Like I never really can lie on the couch for extended periods. I'm just kind of like always buzzing around. And yesterday I was like, you know, you couldn't have paid me to get off a couch and it's good for me to do that sometimes. So yeah. I am patting myself on the back for actually listening to that because the truth is like it, it might seem like um something small, but if I had have gone forward and worked yesterday, there's a decent chance it wouldn't have just been today, but all week could have been shit, mm-hmm. realistically. So yeah. good that I listened to myself and it's not something I used to be very good at. So mm-hmm. I'm patting myself on the back for that. And hopefully I've given you enough time to come up with your answer and think about what is it that you are patting yourself on the back for? Yeah, I just want to quickly just kind of corroborate what you're saying. And I definitely think that we have such a weird relationship with rest, especially in our hyper capitalist society where we view any time that's not spent working as waste, especially if it's like not directly involved with like some sort of enjoyment. Like it's either you know, it's either work or play, it's work or play. And we forget that rest is just as an essential 
part of that as the other components. And I have started to think about rest as being essential and rest as being part of working. It's something I need to do in order to work, you know, resting as part and parcel of the work experience. You yeah, and this is by the way, like this is part of some of what we talked about. For anyone who's interested in that, going down that rabbit hole a little bit more, we dove into that pretty heavily in the relaxation episode yeah. about why you know why you actually need to relax. So the mm-hmm. the episode last week could have just as easily been called, you know, I'm anxious about relaxation and or rest. not getting enough rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, back to what I am proud of myself for. It's kind of hard for me to pick something when like I feel like if I look at it objectively, like I had a shitty week. But I think what I'm proud of myself for was realizing that the goals that I set for 2021 were not humanly possible if I wanted to (laughs) enjoy any aspect of my life. Yeah. And that I kind of set them almost like as a way of like shaming myself into succeeding. And I definitely have like a lot of issues with self-comparison to like my colleagues and even my friends where, because I have a lot of friends in the blogging circle where I compare my results to theirs often. And obviously it's been a bit of a tough year. And so I've really kind of doubled down on that pattern where it's like, well, I just need to like work a lot fucking harder as if there isn't like a you know, massive global circumstance that I can't really control that's like going to alter some things. So I kind of realized like, hey, Allison, hey, girl, you know, those goals you set on like January 1st and like wrote down and like felt like super shiny and happy about those were written by a crazy person living in the fourth (laughs) dimension. She doesn't like you. In fact, she's trying to sabotage you. So just throw those out and like, let's make some weekly or monthly goals and like, let's let those add up. And if they add up to like roughly somewhere in the ballpark of those crazy yearly goals that you set for yourself, right on. But it doesn't need to also just like do it a little bit at a time. And so I guess I'm just happy with myself for realizing that I set a trap for myself and then was like, no, bitch, we don't do that this year. We're done. <laughs> no more fourth dimension, bitch. Okay. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I mean, that feels like a totally legitimate thing to pat yourself on the back for. I think that's I think that's great. Thank I you. Love, yeah, I'm that. happy about it. Good. Well, fantastic. I think we covered a lot of good ground there. Hopefully yeah. people feel better about how they're approaching the future and Part of that is just accepting that we got to take things day by day as they come because planning for some crazy year, you know, that where where you're going to be perfect, it doesn't work. I think I've mentioned this on previous episodes, but there's an ADHD podcast I sometimes listen to. And I think the host one time described having ADHD as having a Ferrari engine with bicycle brakes. (laughs) So I always try to think about that a little bit when I'm, you know, struggling a little bit and I'm just like, well, hey, at least I got the Ferrari engine, right? And and it's more about just figuring out how to get those brakes going. I think I've mentioned that a little bit before, but the moral of the story is 
you know, when we're thinking about the future, let's let's realize that we're we're not bringing a perfect, flawless diamond in the future. We're just ourselves, hopefully, a little bit more improved, and all we can do is our best at the end of the day. I mean, it's kind of hard not to get into those one sentence cliches, which you would put on a T-shirt when you are talking about the future and how to stay positive. But at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of them are applicable, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to close this episode out with a tweet from JP Brammer earlier, right around the beginning of the pandemic last year. The tweet is, do you know how useless my anxiety is? Like I catastrophized about a million scenarios, yet somehow not this one. Then next tweet, there's still time for the tech destroying solar flare, I guess. But I just think that's like a really good um, bookend to that is like, you know, or not bookend. That's a very good nightcap. I suppose yeah. if I want to become <laughs> sure. like Blanche Devereaux from Golden Girls <laughs> all of a sudden. Um, but like... <laughs> Sorry, continue. I think, you know, it just goes to show how fucking useless catastrophizing is because we all have anxiety. We're all living in 2020. Did any of us predict this? Okay, if you're a doomsday prepper, props to you. You actually did predict this probably. So like, unless you went with like the electromagnetic pulse, if you're that kind of prepper, maybe not. But like the pandemic prepper is like, all right, you guys, all right, you were correct. You won. But for most of us, we went all over the place imagining all these possible futures. Did we imagine we would all be basically shut in our houses for the better part of a year? We probably didn't think that. So like, even though we have plans like A through Z with points like 1 through 47 for each contingency plan, we're still going to miss things because we can't know the future. So like, just chill. Just just yeah. chill. <laughs> you know I have a tattoo on my wrist, right? With a Turkish saying on it, which is... I don't know if I think you know this, but I have a tattoo on my wrist with a Turkish phrase, which is Yavash Yavash. And I don't know if I ever told you the story behind it, but whenever I was like stressed out, I was living in Istanbul during a time when it was turbulent to say the least. And there was a lot of political stuff going on and bombings and some terrorism and things like that. I should mention Istanbul is my favorite city on the planet, an incredible place to visit. Exactly. Istanbul rocks. I don't want to paint it as a picture. This was a one small moment in time that that were this going on. So I want to be sure I'm mentioning that. But anyways, during this time, there was a restaurant that was down the street from me that I used to go to somewhat frequently with uh, this restaurant owner named Guven, who was this lovely guy. And if I, you know, he just seemed to always have, you know, a smoke in his mouth and a tea in his hand, (laughs) like no matter what time, whenever. And I remember sometimes I'd go and talk to him to practice my Turkish and he would say, you know, he kept on saying this phrase that I didn't quite understand at first, but I would talk about this was going to happen and this might happen and whatever, and this has happened and so on and so forth. And he would always just go, Abi, which is brother, Yavash Yavash, which means slowly, slowly. And the idea is that, you know, no matter how much we want to face tomorrow's problems, it's better to face it at a slow and steady pace and to accept also that, no matter how much we want to control fate, there's a certain amount that we just have to give ourselves to fate and understand that, you know, case sera, whatever will be, will be, right? But but and I always, I'm barrel rolling out of the And car. you're done. And you're out the window, <laughs> barrel rolled. But really, there's a reason that I got a tattooed on my wrist where a watch would be is I don't wear a watch, but on the inside of my wrist it says Yavash Yavash, which is always a reminder, you know, Chris, slowly, slowly. So I think that is a good way for me to sum up how I've tried to approach the future. And it's a reminder, which is very much permanent for me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Very much. Very much. Well, I like that story. I don't know if you've told me it before or not, but I like it. You have a lot of tattoos that I like. I feel like you have a million tattoos, but you probably only have five, but I've heard the story of all of them. I I do actually have five, so good for you. (laughs) Well, anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode and were able to take something away from it. And yeah, I guess we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Thanks, everybody. Tune in next week. And remember, take things slowly. Yavash, yavash. Take care. Bye.